0: I'm John, nice to meet you.
1: I'm Jane, nice to meet you. We're writing a song for moms because Mother's Day is coming
0: up. Are you excited about Mother's Day? Yeah. How excited are you? We wondered if you could help us write the song for moms. You wanna help us do that? Mm.
1: Mm. What should the first line be? Um, Mother's Day is an important day for moms. (laughs)
0: <laughs> what is your favorite thing about your mom?
1: She's a little bit sporty. You can be too much sporty. Yeah. No. Nope. But can't you? you can't. I'm ten and my mom's like five. Oh, okay. she's like halfly. Halfly sporty. What are what are some things you've learned about women over the years? They like boys who um have strong muscles. What does your mom look like? Her skin is really soft, and she wears the same some same clothes over and over. She does. Mm -hmm. What's her favorite outfit? A lot of high heels she loves. Purple one, black one. She has a lot of black A lot of shoes. Mm -hmm. What superpower does your mom have? Yelling. Yelling? Mm. If you could write a song for your mom, what would it be like? You're happily sporty, you're happily pretty. There. Hey, what's one thing your mom always says? Do that, do that, do that, and let Pete in. What Pete from outside? Is Pete your dog? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. She loves,
0: does so she love funny. Pete? Pete?
1: Yeah. Well, he can't breathe. But he's at the vet, and we're going to pick him up, and I hope he's done not breathing, and I hope he can breathe. Mom. It's not really funny. It's not It's not, it's not, it's not funny. It's not funny. So, Jane, this is not funny. Uh, Pete's having a hard time breathing. Where do moms come from? Um. They come from their other moms, But mm-hmm. um that comes from their other moms, and that comes from their own moms. And that says is a circle around. What do you love about your mom? She cooks yummy noodles. Noodles? If you could write a song for your mom, what would it be like? More mm-hmm. material. Come on, just let it flow. Mm-hmm. Just let mm-hmm. it flow. Mom's all friends. Every day, when they tell us to do the thing, we better do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Good job. Nice. thank you so much. One, two, one, two, three, four. Mother's Day an important day for moms, because the children so tall and
0: that awesome? That was like the best video I've seen in, I don't know, about a decade or two, but I love it. And and we just want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. So if you're not a mom, uh, make like triple or quadruple the noise you normally would to make up for all the moms in the room. Moms, you be quiet, but all the rest of us, let's make some noise for all the moms in the room. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, can I tell you about my last week? Um, I got to go to Louisville, Kentucky this last week and sit at the feet of two of the most incredible retired pastors in the world. They're named uh, Bob Russell on the left there and Ben Merrill on the right. Uh, Bob is 74 years old. Ben is 92. They have been in ministry for respective about 50 and 70 years and um, they are incredible men. I mean, it's like, if you're a baseball fan, it's like sitting at the feet of Babe Ruth and Ted Williams and talking baseball. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And I got invited along with a handful of a few, just a handful of us that got to go and sit around a table and listen and ask questions and, and uh, just hear the experience and wisdom and all that that comes from these two men. It was one of the best weeks of my life. It really was. It was just incredible. And I could talk about it for hours hours. But instead, I'd like to talk about someone else, uh, someone else's feet, who I got to sit at in the past, and that is my mom. So this morning on Mother's Day, I'd like to share with you some thoughts that uh, that flow downstream from my thoughts about my mom personally. I was sitting in the airport in Kentucky, getting ready to come home on Thursday. Thought I was getting on a flight in just a little bit. Ended up being a seven-hour delay, so I just had to sit there and sit there and sit there. And so as I did I was able to just pray and spend some time in God's word and I uh, I came back to a passage that I was familiar with but I looked at it with fresh eyes again and it led me to eight things that I just felt you know are applicable to my mom and maybe to many of the others other moms in your life or in your world as well and I'd like to share with you some of those it's from Proverbs chapter 31 So the first thing I'd like to do, if you have a Bible, or if you can find one there in front of you, turn to the book of Proverbs. Uh, If you open the Bible right to the middle, you'll find Psalms, uh, Proverbs right next to it. If you find Proverbs, turn to the 31st chapter, and let's look at that together. It's a chapter about a wife or a mother of noble character. Um, Now I'll tell you this, Kim, yesterday when I was talking to her about this plan, this message, she informed me that this is actually not one of her favorite passages in the Scripture, especially not for Mother's Day. Because it paints a picture of a perfect woman that no woman can live up to. And so therefore, it's less than her favorite scripture for that reason. So if you feel that way, um, I apologize. But I will just tell you this. I recognize that none of you ladies or moms are perfect. None of us are in any way. And that includes my mom. My mom was actually far from perfect and had a variety of struggles that I'm well aware of. However, as I read through and thought about this passage the other day, sitting there in the airport, I saw beyond her struggles, and I thought of a number of qualities in her that I just wanted to share with you today that might um, be relevant to you, might, might remind you of your mom or um, of other moms in your life. Let me tell you about mine. She was one of eight children born to Otis and Faye Blevins in Lawrence, Kansas. That's her, the tall one in the middle row there. She had a fairly normal but somewhat rough upbringing filled with moments of pretty severe poverty as well as tragedy, including witnessing the accidental death of her younger brother who's not pictured there, but also moments of joy and blessing. Uh, She met my dad as a teenager and married him soon thereafter, partly because of love, but also partly because she really did just want a way out of her home life, and that later became an issue in their marriage. She was a pastor's wife for the rest of her life, serving alongside my dad in several churches throughout the Midwest, and in 1989, she went home to be with the Lord at the early age of 44 because of cancer. I was just 22 years old when Jesus welcomed my mom into his arms, and so all of my memories and stories and even props all come from uh, the 70s and 80s, back when I was a kid and mom was still with us. Let me read to you from Proverbs chapter 31. The whole chapter is amazing, but I want to just read the last eight verses, beginning in verse 25. You can follow along on the screen if you don't have a Bible opened, but here it is. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise... And call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. O oh Lord, as we look at this passage, remind us of how grateful we should all be for our moms, for the other moms in our life. Um, and Lord, as we today look at your word and, and think through motherhood, Lord, help us to, to have your perspective and your angle. Um, thank you, Lord, for my mom. And I pray as I share and talk just a little bit about her, I pray that you can encourage and help all of us to, um, to look at our mom or the moms again in our lives um, the way we should. And we pray in the name of Jesus, Amen. You know, there's more to that chapter than just these few verses, but because the eight things that that came to my mind that day as I sat in the airport Thursday um, kind of flow from these eight verses, I just wanted to start here, focus here. Now, I know not everyone in the room is a mother, right? For one thing, half of you are the wrong gender, so, um, so, and and others of you are not moms for one reason or another. There are a lot of different reasons that might be in play, Um, but at the same time, um, the, the, or, therefore, because of that, a lot of this might seem more applicable in your mind to those people, to somebody else, than it might seem it is to you. But can I tell you, I think it applies to all of us because we should all aspire to be the very best version of ourselves that we can possibly be. As God has wired us and gifted us, we need to maximize that and be the best version of us that we can be. Plus, Mother's Day is not just about you. Mother's Day is also about um, the other people in our lives. Obviously, your mom. How many of you have a mother still alive today? How many of you, like me, have seen your mother go home? Okay, so a lot of hands both ways. So, but if your mom is alive today, then this might be something that can encourage you or help you think of ways to honor her. But it also might help you to think of the other moms in your life, whether that be maybe your wife or your daughter or your sister or your aunt or your close friend, whoever it may be. But one way or another, let me just share with you a few things about my mom that flow from these beautiful eight verses in Proverbs 31. Verse 25, if you notice again, um, it said that she is clothed with strength and dignity and can laugh at the days to come. So as I was thinking about that the other day, I wrote down, my mom is strong. My mom is strong. I wrote that down. There's the first one. I think we can, anyway, my mom is strong. And being a good mom takes a lot of strength in a lot of ways, right, mom? Not just physical strength, sometimes that, but a lot of other types of strength. But one story stands out to me. There are a lot that probably really could capture who my mom was better than this, but there's just one that always kind of comes to the surface for me. When I was in first or second grade, we were living in Missouri, and a friend of our family wanted to gift us with a half of a hog that he had on his farm, and he and my dad thought it would be a good idea for all the rest of us, all the kids, and I guess even the moms to uh, watch the butchering process and, you know, the whole educational thing and all that. So, well, if you've ever heard the phrase running around with a like a chicken with its head cut off, right, we've heard that phrase, uh, well, All I really remember that day was what happened when that pig literally lost its head, and again, I was just first or second grade, but um, we were all standing fairly close by, well, except for my mom. She didn't really even want to be there and definitely didn't want to be too close, so she was standing off over to the side. There was a pickup here and a fence there, and so there was just a few feet there, and she was kind of standing in that little spot over there. And uh, somehow when that pig and its head were separated, sorry, it's graphic, but anyway, it still, it still had enough life to take off running for just a few seconds. And guess what direction that headless pig ran? Right toward my mom. Now, my mom did what a lot of other moms or ladies would do. She panicked. She screamed like a wild banshee. But then, and let me say this, My wife, my my mom, I mean, was not, um, you know, super athletic. I would say she typically probably had about a six-inch vertical, but in that moment, I kid you not, no exaggerating, she all of a sudden had a six-foot vertical because she standing here as the pig, headless pig, was running toward her, she literally in the middle of a scream jumped and landed in the bed of the truck. (laughs) I'm not making it up. She literally jumped and landed on her feet in the bed of the truck. It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. This is obviously not the strength that God is talking about in Proverbs 31. I don't think that's the point. But I will never forget the day when my mom became more cool and more powerful than Wonder Woman in my eyes. It was amazing. So as I was sitting in the airport the other day and reading through this, I also wrote down, you know, my mom was joyful. She was joyful. Verse 25, as you can see, also reminds us that, um, that we need to be good at laughing. There is so much to that. Whether it be about that kind of story or other stories, uh, my mom loved to laugh and tell jokes and, and uh, find humor in whatever ways she could. Uh, she understood that, as Scripture also tells us in Proverbs, good that laughter is good medicine. Uh, she understood that, and she loved to look at the bright side of things in life. I can still hear her contagious and infectious uh, laugh. I mean, it's it's just a great thing. And I miss that, of course. But I, I look back and I remember and I smile and I love that joy that she always had. You know, the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And the apostle Paul therefore said in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I will say it, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I would tell you that if in our whole lives we could end up laughing just as much cumulatively as my mom did in her short, short 44 years, I think we would do well. She laughed a lot, and I think we all should. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, right, verse 26 in Proverbs 31 says, She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. I thought of that, and I, thought, I just wrote down, you know what? My mom was wise. Uh, she was wise. I already said once, though. Now, my mom had her struggle. She was not perfect, and she did not always... Often she did, but she did not always follow her own advice or make the best decisions, but she worked hard to impart wisdom to others, whether it be me and my brother and sister or countless others that she taught in Sunday school class or vBS or women 's ministry events or other things like that. She did a lot of that. in fact, I have a book here um, that I put together of i mean look how thick this thing is of all kinds of stuff most of this is well more than half of this is typed whole bunch of it back here are letters that my mom wrote to me, handwritten letters. um, Just tons and tons of that kind of stuff that she gave me. And uh, uh, I I just want to share with you a couple of paragraphs. Where's it at? (coughs) From one of these uh, letters that she sent me. Uh, I'll set it up with this. I had a friend in high school named Rex. Rex was a fun guy but he did not come from a Christian home, and my mom was often concerned that maybe Rex might be leading me down a path that was not best. She was right about that, and um, it was, all my problems were Rex's fault. I'm not responsible for anything, so, but, um, no, I wish I could say that, but anyway, one time uh, we did something we should not have done. It all hit the fan. We got in trouble. We got caught, got confronted, and all of that. Rex lied about it. I, I just tried to, like, plead the fifth and not talk, but that didn't work either. But anyway, after it all hit the fan, um, she wrote me a long letter, uh, I think four or five pages, but um, this is just one little piece of it I highlighted here. She wrote in the middle of it, she goes, Scott, I care for Rex. I really do, and I really wish I could help him more, but it has never seemed that he really listens to learn. Scott, it is so important to listen to learn. It has always seemed to me, that Rex really just tolerates my teachings and beliefs in an effort to be polite and respectful to his friend's parents, but also to earn brownie points for something down the road. And I feel sorry for him and his whole family. I really do. What is life without honesty? How can people love each other and yet be deceitful to each other at the same time? Scott, I'm so thankful that you and I have open communication and honesty it would have hurt me much more if you had lied to me than the original wrong you committed. Please, please, let's always care enough and trust enough to tell the truth. I love you, and I'm glad you returned my love. You're a good son, and I'm proud of you. Love, Mom. And she wrote all that, I think, largely because um, she wanted to soften the blow of the, the discipline that was coming my way, but um, <laughs> it was helpful, I maybe, kind of. But anyway, I found in my room... Then that same day, uh, this. this, I saved it, and, uh, um, and it just simply, it's Hebrews twelve eleven. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And uh, on the backside, there's about 15 more in smaller print, but verses about discipline as well. I don't think I ever read any of those, but anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, I you know, I look back on that and and I just at this point say thank you. I want to say thank you to my mom. And she's not here, but I wanna wish I could tell her thank you for the discipline, the wise counsel, and the advice. And on behalf of all the others who've ever made a mistake like that, moms, we all want to tell you thank you for being bold enough to share truth um, and practice tough love. All right, verse 27 goes on to say she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So I wrote down my mom is hard working. Sometimes it seemed like she almost never sat down. She was a volunteer EMT, an ambulance driver, she was studying to become a paramedic actually when she passed away. She led worship at our as a volunteer at our church almost every single week, played the piano and sang and inspired others to do the same. She led all kinds of multiple uh, choir groups, traveling groups, children's programs, community outreach projects. She was very involved and loved to stay busy and work hard, mostly doing so for the sake of others. In fact, she was given this, I'll put a picture up here, uh, given this engraved gold coin that my loving wife had mounted between those two old pocket watches. Um, oh, it's right here. Yeah, here's, here's a picture. Or there's a picture of it, and here's, here's the thing my wife put together. The, the watches have another story. But anyway, the award is called the Jefferson Award. And the, the governor of the state of Kansas, where we were living at the time, gave it to my mom on a, in a special ceremony in front of thousands of people in Topeka, Kansas, the capital, for being the most recognized female volunteer servant in the state of Kansas that year. It's kind of a big deal, and, and um, it was really, really cool. And you know what? My point with this, is I, whenever I look at that, I think of this, whether it be a mom or a dad or somebody who's not a parent, even a child, whatever, whoever it may be, we all need to understand and remember, God's Word talks a lot about working hard. Work ethic is a big deal, and I just praise God that my mom modeled that for us and and, uh, to, again, all the moms that work hard and really, really bust it all the time to take care of their kids and so many others, thank you, thank you. Verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also, and He praises her. Now, my mom was dearly loved. I would say mom was dearly loved by countless people because she loved dearly. Jesus said in John 13, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That's how God wants us to be known, is by our love for one another. The two most important commandments in the whole Bible according to Jesus, when he was asked about that, both have to do with love. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourself. Nothing is more important than these two, Jesus said. And so to be a loving person is something we should all strive to be, and that was my mom. You know, there are lots of things we often want to be known for, but nothing is greater than being known for being a loving person. And so again, to all you moms who love, thank you. Thank you. We don't know how to say it well enough, but all the rest of us just want to say thank you. All right, verse 30 says, and maybe you've even memorized this. It's an often quoted verse. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is fleeting or vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. As I thought about my mom in that verse, I wrote down, you know what? My mom was beautiful. I'm going to show you a picture. I showed you this earlier. Uh, this was taken shortly after she and dad got married. I think she was still um, 20 years old at that point. And then this next picture was taken when I was, I believe, in fifth grade. I believe I was in fifth grade. Many of you know my brother Barry there and our sister Kelly. And uh, anyway, fifth grade was many, many years before I met my beautiful wife Kim. So back then, that was, you know, BK before Kim. Back then, I thought the most beautiful girl in the world, I, I was totally wrong, but at that point, I thought the most beautiful girl in the world was Teresa Patterson. I don't, I don't have a picture of her, but Teresa Patterson. And one day, here's the deal. I was sitting in a lunchroom cafeteria at school, fifth grade, with all my friends, and Teresa happened to sit right across from me. That was an unusual and cool thing because typically she sat on the other end of the table with the other kid, cooler kids and all that and her friends. But for some reason, she was sitting right across from me that day. And then something curious happened, and that is that my mom, who never came to school, I mean, there was no reason to, she walked in she walked in. I think she was there to meet with some other teacher. And as she did, some of, one of my friends said, hey, Scott, isn't, isn't that your mom? And I looked and, and Teresa looked up and said, that's, that's your mom? And I said, yeah. She, and Teresa said, wow, she's really pretty. And all of a sudden, my heart began to beat fast, mostly because I saw potential for an open door to a blossoming relationship with Teresa. <laughs> you know, based on interest that she was now showing me that I had never had before. And it all, be, it all came from the fact that she was impressed with my mom. So, I was proud and excited. And anyway, Teresa kind of stared at my mom for just a minute. She kind of smiled and then she paused. And she looked over at me and then she crushed all of everything inside of me. And she said, so what happened to you? <laughs> so, anyway... Fortunately, fortunately, my mom knew, and I hope all of you in here do as well, that external beauty is fine, it's nice, it's wonderful, but that's really not what matters. And my mom was beautiful, but more on the inside than on the outside. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Truth be told, toward the end of her life, my mom dealing with cancer, and it was a brain tumor, and all of that gained a lot of weight, and, and the external beauty mostly left her, but that verse also reminds me of point number seven I wrote down, and that is that my mom was the real deal, the real deal. She understood what it means to fear the Lord, what that phrase is all about. When I think of somebody being the real deal, I think of people who are authentic, who are genuine, the, you know, the real deal. I think of people like, like Bob Russell and Ben Merrill, who I mentioned earlier, oh, just incredible men. Or I think of our elders. I think of Bob Sturgeon and Mac Owen and Kent Gordon and Rob Gleghorn. Um, I think of the heroes of the faith in in Hebrews chapter 11. And I think of my mom. I really do. The real deal. Now, all the above that I just named have something in common, and that is that they're all flawed. Every one of them are very flawed. You see, being the real deal does not mean being perfect It means living out this verse and fearing the Lord. And as we've talked before, fearing the Lord has less to do with shaking and trembling and more to do with awe and reverence and respect for Almighty God. Just like me and most of you, probably, my mom's faith was sometimes like a roller coaster. She had moments of strength and other moments of weakness. But she always came back to the Lord and feared Him and trusted Him with all of her heart. Even when she was dying with cancer. In fact, especially when she was dying with cancer. Mom loved the Lord like few people I have ever known. It's natural to kind of eulogize and overstate things when somebody's passed away, but I say that with all sincerity. She loved the Lord like few people I've known. I often sat or or stood around the corner or just sat in the other room and would listen to her play the piano and sing and just pour her heart out in worship to the Lord With great sincerity, sometimes getting choked up, or if I looked, I could see tears in her eyes just because she loved to worship and honor God. And through doing that, she not only melted my heart, but she shaped my heart. Friends, at the end of life, there is nothing more important than whether or not God, who knows everything that can be known, whether or not God sees you and I as the real deal. You might be able to fool a lot of other people around you, but none of us can fool God. And so he knows. And whether or not we are the real deal, which again does not mean perfect. It just means forgiven. It means fully surrendered. It means completely honest before him and, and dedicated to him. If we do that, then we are the real deal and God is happy and someday we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and there is nothing better Nothing more important to live for than that phrase, to someday hear, as I know my mom did, well done, good and faithful servant. All right, verse 31, the chapter ends with this, "'Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate.'" So I wrote down, my mom deserved honor. Can I tell you, yours does too. Yours does too. Now, maybe some of the things on my list sound familiar. Maybe, maybe your mom was a totally different person though. So, maybe your list is longer. Maybe your list is a lot shorter. Either way, can I encourage you to understand that you need to live out this verse and honor her as best you can. Now, my mother is in heaven and I can no longer honor her with words to her face or give her hugs, but you can. And if your, mother, if your mother's alive, you can, and I want to encourage you to do so. Now, maybe that means picking up the phone. Maybe it means picking up a pen and writing, or maybe it means going and picking her up and taking her for dinner. I don't know. But if you have the opportunity to do any of the above, no matter what age you are, if you are a child of a living mother, and a child can be any age, if your mother's alive, I want to encourage you and beg you to go and find a way to tell her how much you love her, how much she means to you. Because none of us, as I've learned, none of us are promised tomorrow. As I close, let me go back to number seven and something I told you when I began. I told you that my mom married my dad partly because of love, but also partly because she wanted a way out of a fairly difficult home life and that that became an issue in their marriage. Well, Shortly after winning that Jefferson Award I showed you and after being able to get back into her wedding dress after she had lost some weight and and, uh, receiving lots of compliments for a a variety of accomplishments and things that she was doing, pride began to really rear its ugly head, and it became a real problem. Um, Pride became a serious issue for mom that she struggled with, mostly just quietly, But as I, as a Bible college senior, I I could sense that there was some kind of tension at one point. I didn't know what was going on, but I could just tell there was something weird, a vibe at home. So I asked Dad about it, and initially he kind of skirted the issue and downplayed it. But as I pressed, he finally broke down one day, and he said, okay, Scott, you want to know? You want to know the truth? I'll tell you the truth. Your mom and I are really struggling. And uh, here's the deal. I love her. And I think in her way, she loves me, but she is really having a hard time loving me or embracing our marriage due to a number of things. And he talked about some of the tendencies that just bluntly he has to be a very simple kind of guy that we're getting under her skin. And the fact that he had never been anything like a prince charming to her. And with rarely seen tears, he explained how it was killing him and how he was utterly lost as to know what to do to move forward. So I went to mom, and I asked her about it, and she also initially downplayed it and said the dad was exaggerating, it's not that big a deal, everything's fine. But after a long conversation, she eventually came clean and acknowledged, yeah, okay, it's true, I'm struggling, we are struggling, and I don't know what to do. I don't have a good attitude my relationship with your father's not healthy, and I don't. I just I don't know what to say. Well, it broke my heart. It, um, it s- scared me, and uh, you know, as a kid, I was a twenty year old, but i uh, still just a kid, and I wanted so bad to help, but I felt so overwhelmed and in over my head. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been in Bible college for four years, but I have no clue what in the world. So anyway, I was wise enough to know that I was not yet wise enough to say much other than to just say, oh, mom, dad, man, I, I don't know what to say, but can we just, can we just kneel and pray together? And so reluctantly, it wasn't easy. They had not been praying together for a long time. You would think pastors and pastors' wives always do, but that had not been happening for a while, but They agreed. As a family, we had prayed countless times together before, but nothing had ever been as heartfelt as this prayer that I remember. And I don't remember much of the prayer. I, I know that I prayed first, and then through the tears, I begged God to help us through all of this. And I remember Dad praying and asking God to help him be the man and husband he needed to be, and he talked about some of those specific things that he knew he needed to work on. And then Mom, after a pause, prayed as well. And she prayed like I had never heard her pray before. She acknowledged and repented of a number of issues, including pride and arrogance and a poor attitude and selfishness. and, And at one point, I don't remember much, but at one point, a sentence that she or a couple of sentences she said will always ring in my head forever. I'll never forget. She prayed something like this through the tears. She said, and Father, whatever it takes. Oh, dear God, whatever it takes to help me be the woman and mother and wife that I need to be. Lord, I beg you, please do whatever it takes, and I give you full permission to remove or strip away anything that you need to help me be the person I need to be. After praying, we kind of stood up, and uh, a little bit awkward, but then mom and dad hugged. And they kissed like I had not seen in a long time, and so I was like, oh, that's really cool, but uh, my job's done. (laughs) And uh, so I was gone, and um, that was early 1989, and I wish I could say that the lessons learned and all that happened that day led to decades of beautiful, restored marriage, but um, just a short time later, mom started having headaches and dizziness. And uh, after some tests, she was told, you have an inoperable brain tumor. And she passed away six months from that day on October 24th, 1989. You know, she got sicker and sicker. And while we were begging God to heal her and praying and enlisting thousands of others who were praying with us, through some of that time, she became absolutely convinced that her tumor was actually God's answer to her prayer. We didn't look at it that way initially, but over time she came to that point of going, you know what, this is God's answer. I said whatever it takes, and I trust Him. You know, many of the pages written in that book that I showed you come from the experiences and thoughts she had during those six months, and as much as she wanted to live and be a better wife to my dad and continue being a mother, and eventually someday she looked forward to being a grandmother, never happened for her, but... She never regretted that prayer. And she came back to it and used it as a springboard for conversation with me and my brother and my sister and shaped our lives by talking about that moment and that, that situation. And with dozens and dozens of others, as much as she had strength, as long as she could. She eventually got to where she couldn't even get out of that bed. But as long as she had strength and was able to talk, she loved to tell people and share with people about her love and her faith and her hope and her trust in Jesus, even though she was dying of cancer. You know, Scripture says that to live is Christ and to die is gain. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. My mom held on to these verses And she never blamed or got angry at God. She just said, Lord, that wasn't my plan. That's not what I meant when I said that prayer. But I trust you. So, Lord, I'm all yours. And I would tell you, as much as you and I, just like my mom, want to enjoy this life, I think we all need to pray with all sincerity that same prayer. And I want to encourage you. I tell you this. Will you you stand first? Will you stand? We're going to sing. But let me tell you this. If you were to pray that prayer, Lord God, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, I want to honor you with all I've got. I give you full permission to strip away, take away whatever you need because there are some things that are more important than life on this earth. And my relationship with you is that. And so, Lord, I trust you with that. And if you were to pray that prayer, I will just tell you this. It probably will be the scariest prayer you ever pray, but it will be the most rewarding and the best thing you could ever do. And so as we close, as we sing, I just want to invite you and encourage you. If you want to come and join us, maybe you want to kneel, maybe you want to pray. Will you worship God with your whole heart? Lord God, whatever it takes, Jesus is enough.